Hey, hey, it's Dr. Nikki, your bonus mama, helping you young adults figure shit out. This is episode number two. Hey, hey, everybody. It's Dr. Nikki here, your bonus mama, Gen S plus 30. Just loving hanging out with you guys, trying to help you figure shit out. And that's really what we're doing. We're always just trying to figure shit out because this is a journey and the journey and all the steps that you take in it will either get you the results you want or the lessons you need. You are completely prepared for the journey and the how of how you're going to get to whatever it is that you hope, dream, desire, and want is almost none of your business, meaning that you won't know your how until you've done it. And it might take a lot of different steps. It might take a lot of effort. It might take a lot of pivoting and changing, but your how will be completely your how and not anybody else's that's going to give you the recipe of how to do it in exactly your way. You are an individual and unique person. And that's so hopeful and it's wonderful. So that's why I'm doing this here. I just, I I just couldn't watch anymore. I, I, I've had too many young adults. I know somehow feel discouraged and unable to go after what they want. I've also had many young adults recently actually kill themselves and felt like there was no hope there. It, It is the time to look forward. It's the time when you see the future ahead of you. And I love to be here with you while you try to figure this shit out. So I'm going to start off with a young adult commitment. And um, these commitments are something that I think about. I do something called co-counseling. And this is a little bit of the idea coming from their commitment about our goodness, about our hopes and dreams and so on. But I've added quite a bit to it. And I'm looking to continue to add to it. But the commitment or the young adult commitment is I joyfully promise from this moment on to never give up on my dreams and goals. I choose to remember always that the whole world is mine to explore and I need never be alone in figuring it out and making it just right. That I was born worthy and lovable without conditions. And I think that this is a really important commitment that you can have to your life. And what it's saying are things that we almost have given up on, that we could go after our hopes and dreams, that it's not a selfish thing to want to do that. That the world is yours to explore. And notice that I use the word explore, that you get to decide in what direction you want to go, how you want to go there, without a time frame and without a lot of other people's voices in your head. Because if you're doing the exploring, then you're going to figure out what it is that you like and don't like. And figuring out what you don't like is actually really important in figuring out what you do like. And that you're never alone in figuring it out. And we definitely early on got the idea that we somehow had to do every hard thing by ourselves, that we were constantly pulling ourselves up 
by our bootstraps. And I hate that saying. I can't stand that saying. Because what it means is that you are picking yourself up, but generally you're picking yourself up alone. That there's nobody there helping you up. That there is nobody there that actually you can decide to work on something with while you're trying to figure out how to get yourself up. That you might have to work through those feelings about what it feels like to fall down, what it feels like to fail, and to continually fail so that you become stronger in what it is that you'd like to do and to figure out what you want to do and that you get to make it just right, which is definitely against what we've been told. I mean, we definitely, we've been told that somehow things aren't right. Now that doesn't mean, I don't even know what the definition of perfect is. So you'd have to decide what the perfect is, but you can make it as right as you think makes sense. You can make a world that makes sense to you and that you were born worthy and lovable without conditions. Now, all of us know that we were born good and lovable. I mean, you see a newborn baby and you know it. They don't have to do anything. I mean, they could just burp. They can, they can make a, make a, they could poo. Whatever it is, you're loving that baby. That baby farts and you are happy as a lark. You've expected nothing from that baby. That baby was born completely good and completely lovable and deserving of love without any conditions whatsoever. So I think when we've got this young adult commitment to ourselves in the forefront of our brain, then we can take lots of risks and lots of steps because the truth is, is you can't fail that you are only failing forward and that you failing is really, and I hate to use the word failing, but you exploring, experimenting, trying things and not necessarily getting the outcome that you're looking for that you somehow expect is the only way that you could build up the ballast and the resilience and the strength to figure out what you're going to do next. So think about a newborn baby. A newborn baby learns to walk. Now that baby doesn't give up if it's fallen 50, 100, 500 times, it doesn't say, you know what? I have fallen as much as I'm willing to fall. I think I'm not going to walk anymore. I'm just going to have my parents carry me or push me or something like that. No, that baby continues to try. And actually it's the act of falling down that creates the strength in the legs that will hold up their body enough because they got a really big head hold up their body enough so that they could continue to walk. So actually the act of falling is the thing that makes them strong enough to walk and they don't give up. They keep going. And not only do they keep going, but the people around them are completely pleased with them. Can you imagine if they fell or you fell and somebody says, "Ugh, stupid baby, you're such a klutz. I can't believe you're falling. Nobody would say that to a baby. So the fact that we say that to other young people just absolutely blows my mind in any stage of what we're doing. And I'm a physician. I'm a doctor. Everybody expects me to know everything. It's a lot for me to say, I'm looking it up or I'm figuring it out. That, that's, that's a big deal. But, but I do it because I really, I kind of want to live the life where I'm, I'm truthful about what I do and what I don't know. But you know, as a doctor, you also have to give a certain amount of credibility, 
confidence so that people will be confident with you. But, but I've gotten really good at kind of figuring stuff out and trying to see like what it is I know and how to apply it. So I'm just creating new theories and new everything all the time. So the thing that I wanted to talk with you guys about, and, and I, I think that this is probably for me, one of the most hopeful ideas, one with incredible possibility. And we're just going to talk about these kind of foundational things before we get onto all the many subjects that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about passion. We're going to talk about things we're passionate about. We're going to talk about your commitment to making the world a better place. Are you a better place? Your body, where you're living, your relationships, everything. Like we are going to get into all of that. But the one thing that will make it easy for us to get into all of it and know that you can switch something around fast. And I think probably for us right now, you want to switch something quickly is the fact that you get to decide intentionally what you think. What I'm saying is that our thoughts are the things that we have some wiggle room to change, that it is our thoughts that are not necessarily our own. So, we have about 40,000 thoughts a day and we are constantly thinking them. Some of them are right in the forefront of our brain and we know what we're thinking and other ones are kind of in parts of our brain that have already practiced thinking that thought so well that we don't even have to think about it consciously. So in the more unconscious parts of our brain, we've got these other thoughts and altogether there are about 40,000 of them. And you're wondering where do they come from? Do we honestly believe that every thought that we have is just something that we come up with? We make new little thought babies all the time, that every thought is an individual, aha, newly for us thought about thought. That is not how these thoughts work. The thoughts generally that we're thinking are not new original thoughts that we've come up with to create new evolutionary ideas. They're thoughts that have somehow been installed, implanted, given to us by the people that raised us, by the society around us, by our sex, by our gender identity, by the religion that we're part of, by the class and cultural part of our early childhood, by whatever happened to us, by what's going on at the moment, by our race, by, by so many things. And they have all come in. And since we process these thoughts and don't necessarily take them all on because we can't really think about all the thoughts and then do all the other things that we want to do, they just kind of get embedded in there, implanted in parts of our brain. So what that means is that those thoughts have come in and they're not necessarily ours. And I love this idea that the thought is not necessarily mine, because if it isn't my original thought, if it isn't a thought that I decided to think on purpose, then I have the room and the ability to change it. And if that thought is not serving me, if that thought is making me feel uncomfortable in the world, if that thought is somehow creating a result that I don't like, then I have the ability to change that thought. Now, I am not talking about toxic positive thinking, 
positive affirmations. I, I, I do. I love positive affirmations. I like them. I'm kind of at a, a stage in my life where I do say them. I'm doing something called the Course in Miracles, which I will definitely go through with you guys. Because really the first lesson in A Course in Miracles is that everything in front of us is not really real, meaning that it could be interpreted in any way you want, that it becomes real to us just based on the experiences that we have and the thoughts that we have. But it could be interpreted many different ways by other people, which is so fantastic. So, but I'm not talking about that at this moment. I'm not talking about those types of positive affirmational type thoughts. I'm talking about a thought that is just as true that we could believe. So let's say I, I don't know. Let me think of a thought that I like, you know, let's, did we talk about this before? Something like, you know, I don't like my belly. My belly's fat. Okay. No, I have no idea who decided what fat is or what fat isn't. It's definitely societally thought about. There's a a little sprinkle of sexism in there, all of that stuff. So I know that that is a thought that I have thought about a lot. And I practice that thought. So, you know, I think the thoughts that we have that are practiced a lot is like practicing a certain muscle. There is a muscle that we have and it's called the thought muscle. And when you practice it a lot, it becomes a thought that you don't have to think about, almost kind of like lifting weights where it gets really easy to lift certain weights. And then it gets plunked into the back part of our brain, into the amygdala of our brain. And that becomes kind of our default thought or the belief system we have. And we think we come by this really honestly, like, yeah, of course, I got a fat belly. Look, rolling over here. Yeah, absolutely. But the truth is, is that some people might think it's fat and some people might not. And you get to decide if you believing you have a fat belly is helpful to you or not. Does that inspire you in any way to lose weight? Does that inspire you to do lots of sit-ups that you could do consistently enough to actually have that belly the way you want to? Probably not. You know, so you could think a thought like, I have a human belly. I have a belly that holds food. I have a belly with a belly button in it. I don't know what the thought is. But once you do think that thought, you can decide if you like that thought or not. And you can see how that thought makes you feel. And if that thought makes you feel okay, or at least a little less disgusted, or a little less discouraged or disappointed, or whatever it is, then you can continue to think that thought all you want. And you could practice to that that thought until that thought becomes your default thought. Now, I know that any changes that you make will never, ever come from a place of you beating yourself up. You might get some small action that you do, but eventually you're going to get burnt out and you're going to feel bad. And there is no way to change anything when you feel bad. If anything, when I feel bad, all I want to do is eat more or I want to drink more. I don't actually drink anymore. But I definitely want to do something. I, I want to watch Netflix more. That's for sure. Oh, my God. I've been watching Bachelor in Paradise, not on Netflix and Hulu. And, and I, I was like, we, we need to do a real episode on Bachelor in Paradise or Bachelor and Bachelorette. Like, like we need to, like, 
like really think about these people because <laughs> they have got the most unmanaged minds of anybody I've ever seen. Like I, I've never seen somebody flip-flopping about how people feel and, and how their thoughts just kind of take them away. Can you imagine if you could manage your mind even the tiniest bit? What, what a difference it would make in your life to decide that the thought you're having is not necessarily you, your thought and that you get to think something different. Like everything would change. Everything would change. If somebody comes by and, and says something to you or, or, or maybe you're like on a date with somebody or you went out with somebody once and they said, you know what? I, I'm not into this relationship or I, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite into you. And the first thought you had might be what's wrong with me. Like, am I not attractive enough or am I not funnier enough or did I not speak enough? But if that first thought that you could have could be, wow, that's not my person or, oh, so interesting. I I can't imagine that I did anything wrong, you know, like clearly that person isn't ready or whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be about the other person, but it doesn't have to mean that there's something wrong with you and how quickly we go to this place where we decide that something's wrong, especially with us. If we could shift that even the tiniest bit. And so what I call these intermediate thoughts or thoughts that you could believe without necessarily changing to the perfect thought that you absolutely think like you would love to get to at some point, like I'm the perfect person or whatever it is, I call those ladder thoughts. So those are the thoughts in between the little steps that you take in order to climb up the ladder to that beautiful pinnacle thought, the apex thought, the thought that you eventually might want to think or might not want to think. Maybe you don't want to think those thoughts. But anyway, if even for a second, you could believe that it didn't have anything to do with you. Nothing, that you were perfectly fine and that you did nothing wrong. And even that that person wasn't right for you, like whatever it is, can you imagine how different your life would be? That you could continue to date and let that go or mourn that if you wanted to, but still know that it had nothing to do with you. Can you imagine if a friend of yours, like, I don't know, just like looked upset one day and didn't talk to you or didn't tell you about it. And instead of you believing that you had done something wrong or that that friend is bad or she was so mean to me, I'm going to be mean to her back or whatever it is, you, you could be compassionate and say, oh, she must be having a hard day. Either she'll come to me when she's ready or maybe I'll go and see if she's okay. Whatever it is instead of jumping to conclusions about yourself and whether you did something wrong or not, your life could be so different. And, and these are things that we could do in a moment. This is something we could shift in a second. So I um, see patients in a small fishing village on the Bering Strait, and I have a couple of, of stories. And I had a medical student with me, and she's a young adult. And she tends to be quiet, meaning she didn't say very much. Now, quiet is, again, a thought that I have. Maybe other people wouldn't think she's quiet, but I felt like she didn't say much. And my first thought was she doesn't like me, which I found really fascinating. Now, there's no reason for her to not like me. I'm a wonderful doctor. I take beautiful care of my medical students and my patients. 
But yet that was the first thought I had. And I decided that that thought would not be useful for me. That wouldn't help my performance as a physician. That wouldn't help me take care of my patients any better. And that wouldn't help me teach her as best as I possibly could. So I decided that I wasn't going to actively think that, that it had nothing to do with me. And that I wasn't even going to come up with an idea about what it had to do with. Like, I didn't even have to decide that there was something wrong with her or that she was shy or whatever. I just did my thing and I kept her along with me. And one night, because we ended up getting stuck there, so this little fishing village on the Bering Strait has some really odd weather patterns. I mean, it is the National Geographic poster child for global warming. And the plane couldn't get there. The plane couldn't land. And so we were stuck another night, and I sleep in the clinic when I'm there. And I just decided that I was, I brought a, a, a set of jacks. I don't know if you guys have played jacks before, but it's a game with these, you know, little little what we call jacks. I, I don't even know what to what they look like. They look like little little anchors or something. And, you know, a high bouncy rubber ball and you pick up these jacks, you know, one at a time until you're picking up 10 at a time. So you go ones and twos and threes and so on. And I just thought I'm going to teach her how to play jacks because she said she'd never played before. And I sat there and I taught her how to play jacks. Now this is a 24 year old medical student, but she was really happy to play jacks. And so all my thinking about what she liked, what she didn't like, whether she liked me or not, was absolutely wrong. There was nothing going on other than whoever she is and whoever I am. And so I taught her how to play jacks. And now she forever knows how to play jacks. And we had some fun, which was really great. And the other story is, um, and this is a little, a little bit sad, is that um, in this clinic, um, I there was a woman who cleaned a young adult and she cleaned every night and I slept in the clinic. And so I knew her fairly well and she committed suicide about a month and a half ago. And her sister cleaned the clinic with her. It's a fairly, it's a pretty big clinic for this small little fishing village. And her sister came back and was cleaning and now she was cleaning alone. And I've never spoken to her sister and she is also really quiet. Again, quiet as it's a thought that I have. Maybe she's just quiet with me. And, and I just, I felt like I wanted to connect with her in some way, but I wasn't going to ask her questions about how she was feeling. We didn't have that kind of relationship, but she was listening to music and she had uh, her iPhone on and the thing she was listening to was fun. And so I decided to play her some music that I really like and that my daughter really likes. And I've gotten to know these two new musical groups, which if you have not heard these groups, you will love them. So Lake Street Dive has this fantastic song called I'm a Good Kisser or Tell Him I'm a Good Kisser or something like that. I don't know. And then there's this other band called Lawrence, which is pretty fantastic and fun. And that's a brother-sister duo. And my daughter loves them. And I just kind of follow whatever music she likes. But I found the YouTube video and I played the official video and I said to her, I think you might like these songs. And we played it and we danced a little bit. And then I kept coming back with new songs every 10 or 15 minutes, probably disturbing her cleaning, although that's just my thought. But she seemed to have a really good time. And so there are so many ways to connect, but there would be no way to connect if the first thought I had was, she doesn't like me 
or she's really shy, or it's none of my business, or whatever it is for both of these young adults that I was thinking about. Anyway, so that's what I got today. And I'm so glad to be here with you. I just want to make sure that you get to go after your big hopes and dreams without being discouraged to have the kind of life that you want to have, to find the love, the place to live, the money you want, all of it, the passion, your calling, whatever it is, I know that you're going to be able to find it. And we're going to start here. And if you want to get in touch with me, just email me at Nikki at drnikkinaridan.com. That's N-I-K-K-I at D-R n-i-k-k-i-n-e-r-e-t-i-n.com. Get on my mailing list. That would be really great. And, you know, I'll send out different newsletters, got really fun offers. It's going to be so much fun. Everything's going to be great. All right. Love you all.